Welcome to the Highway Freaks. We interview musical artists, people in the news, truckers, songwriters, 80s rock bands, or anyone we meet on the road. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host. And now, J-Man, the Snarl, Motorhead Mark, Wing It Will, Canadian Lady Trucker Janet, and the Pink Bombshell. This is the Highway Freaks. Real truckers, real life. Welcome to Highway Freaks. I'm Bry Guy, your road dog host, and we are real truckers, real life. And speaking of that, we are missing a few people tonight. J-Man is not to be found. Uh, and, uh, well, we're going to call her Electric Aaron now. And Electric Aaron is on a load. And we have Birdman Bruce tonight. We have GM Blacktop and yours truly. So, guys, well, we're a bit short. That's okay. We can now we shoot the shit and create lots enough BS to uh, fill 90 minutes, I think. What do you think, guys? You think we can do that? Think we can pull it off? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can. Okay, there we go. And we got Power Pav, I might add. Um, coming next week, a brand new starting. Cannot wait for that. Uh, coming in October, I'll give you a heads up. We have Cruzin Corinne, uh, the gal that uh, did 100,000 miles on a motorcycle in the United States. Looking forward to hearing from her travels as well. So tonight's topics, I'll tell you what I'm going to talk about. I'm going to talk about how Jane Mansfield changed the design of tractor trailers and the history of Tim Hortons, including Tim Horton, the hockey player himself. Uh, GM, what's on your mind? Tonight, I'm going to be it's funny you mentioned Tim Hortons because I was looking at a picture of him, Tim Hortons, and I was ordering a coffee earlier. And I was thinking, you know, one of, somebody's got to do a story on Tim Horton, but I sort of have my story tonight, which is on hockey. And I like to speak about topics in a general sense. So I'll leave all the factual stuff to you. Very cool. Very cool indeed. Okay, and Birdman Bruce, what's on your mind tonight? <laughs> what I was going to talk about or mention is this advent of EVs that are being pushed. And mainly, California is leading the charge where they're mandating that all vehicles, big commercial vehicles, have to be EVs by 2035. And as most of the people that know are saying, there's no way the infrastructure will be able to handle it. Okay, looking forward to hearing all the pros and cons of that as well. So, um, and uh, Pav, you can chime in whatever you like and uh, throw in your opinion, whatever you like. Uh, Pav is, if you didn't know Freaks, he is our new computer tech and my producer and editor. And uh, together we make the Highway Freaks podcast really rock. And last week's was no exception. We had some really good feedback on that. Um, so yeah. anyway, so let's start. I mean, I'll start first with how Jane Mansfield changed the design of tractor trailers. And then GM will go into your topic after we have a song from our house band fist and uh by the way they are going to be in ottawa next week uh at the brass monkey uh that uh, date was changed so uh they did really well in kingston as well 
So, and you're going to hear some really old stuff from Fist tonight, and you're going to hear a new song off of their album Alive. So, Jane Mansfield's death uh, actually uh, forced safety experts to rethink the potential road hazards uh, our massive two combination units cause. And Mansfield was one of the most visible starlets of the 1950s and 60s. Uh, she was constantly compared to Marilyn Monroe for both her platinum blonde hair and her famous physical assets. Uh, in June 29th of 1967, uh, Jane, her lawyer, who she was dating at the time, her driver, and three of her five children were actually driving. Now, Jane was 34 years old, and uh, apparently she was coming from an appearance in Biloxi, Mississippi to New Orleans for a TV interview early in the morning. It's not exactly speculated what happened, but before 2.30 a.m., when her car came up on a tractor trailer uh, way too fast, uh, they didn't see what it was in front of them because there was what is called anti-mosquito fog that clouded the highway, which can completely blind you. Uh, the small car didn't just rear-end the tractor trailer, it went completely underneath it. It sheared the top of the car off and it killed three adult passengers instantly. Now, contrary to everybody's belief, she was not decapitated. Amazingly, three children in the back seat survived with minor injuries. One daughter went on to follow in, in her mother's footsteps in TV entertainment. Do any, either one of you guys know who that famous daughter was? Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> How about you, Bruce? Um, I can't say that I do. Okay. Well, have you guys ever seen Law and Order, SVU? That Detective Olivia Benson? That's called, that lady is named Mariska Hargitay. And that, that was, that was the, the little girl that was in the crash in the back with the other two. And she still has wow. the scars from the crash when she was just three years old. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, she drew, kind of, you know, followed in her mom's footsteps. And if you look at her, she looks a lot like Jane Mansfield. Um, so shortly thereafter, the National Traffic Safety Administration made it mandatory for all semi-trucks to be fitted with under-ride bars, okay? And what they actually called them was Mansfield bars because of what happened. Now, they changed the name to DOT bars, and they've had other different names, uh, but the, the steel bar hangs from the back of the cargo area, and it's designed to stop a car before it rolls underneath the trailer. In fact, I think, Bruce, you and I were talking about a previous uh, podcast where they were going to stick additional bars under the tractor trailer, if you remember that. Yes. And do you have any update on that? Did they? Did they? Uh, are they going to go forward with that, or was that a dead dead dog issue it's still being discussed okay and why that's is that a bad idea that why do you think that's a bad idea we'll just, we'll just revisit it for a minute but why would you think that's such a bad idea i don't know if it's a bad idea if they mandate it now it's an added expense that you know people that are owners and even companies that own that's a major uh transition that they're gonna have to do to make you know, add extra pieces onto their truck and or trailers. Right. So that, see, that could be prohibitive just in doing so. See, I could add something there. Um, being in Alberta, that's a really bad idea. And I'll tell you why. 
There's Why? a thing we we have snow, and snow accumulates on everything on a tractor trailer, and that is just something additional to freeze onto the metal surface and accumulate and just create more weight and havoc. Plus, and here's the and this is the big one. If you have to ride that trailer over something, that bar is going to catch on something, would it not, guys? Why can't they just make a plate on the back of every trailer so nobody can get under it? That's that's a great idea. No, probably cost. Like it doesn't have to be to heavy. Money. It doesn't even have to be heavy. Just just something plate that's going to allow no car to get under that trailer. Right. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I agree with you. But then, you know, like I said, we got to take weather considerations in, into effect because, like I said, when you're getting minus 40 below and those bars, they accumulate ice and then ice accumulates snow. And then you've just got a conglomerate of, of just a, a complete uh, uh, icy mess. I mean, look at some of these, uh, these guards, you know, the skirts we have. Do you ever see how much snow is accumulated on there in the winter, GM? Have you ever noticed that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And oh, what, yeah, what, what do you sure. do? You're banging off the ice, and, you know, you're just adding more weight to your trailer. So, no, I think it's a bad idea. Um, anybody else got anything to add? I think they just got to inform people that driving into the back of a semi is probably a bad idea. Yeah, that'll that'll definitely not make your day. So, absolutely they not. Should have, they should have that right on the back of the semi. Big big lines, big words on the back of the trailer doors that say, "Back off! You're about to die if you come under this trailer or some stupid thing." You know. Right. So we just kind of like the cigarette packages, right? We'll we'll put a yeah. we'll put a nasty we'll put a nasty picture of a tractor trailer with a car that goes underneath it and we'll just yeah. show some blood guts and gore is that the idea what do you think or or, or say five hundred thousand or fifty thousand people a year die under underneath trailers or something just to just to bring awareness to people to stop tailgating and to pay attention stop texting yes i agree absolutely anything you got to add final words on that bruce well actually i just took a look and rear impact guards added to FMCSA annual inspection list. These new ICC bumper regulations specify that rear impact guards are now on the list of items that need to be examined annually. Okay. So that's going on the back of tractors. Tractors? Why do they want them on a tractor? I don't know. Because <laughs> the trailer is the thing on the back. Hmm. Weird, eh? Which this would make sense because these guys don't know what the hell they're doing anyway. The story is yet to be continued, okay? And by the way, this is visit number 47, if anybody's counting out there. And uh, we are fixing some things. You can definitely get us on uh, Spotify now. Pav was telling me that. I'm happy to say you can you can start to get some of our, our visits. We call them visits because we like people to visit us. We don't like it to be called the, the, the terminology of podcast as well. Um, some crazy things in the news last week. Did anybody uh, hear about the, uh, well, you know, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Mike Babcock story. Uh, did you hear about that, GM? Nope. Okay. Bruce, you probably wouldn't have heard about that in uh, the United States. So um, I'll just go over it real quickly. He's probably a Canadian. Right. 
I'll just go over it real yeah. quickly because it, it, it was huge news. Uh, Mike Babcock was a coach, a former coach, that uh, coached the Anaheim Ducks and the Detroit Red Wings to a Stanley Cup. Then he hooked up what? with Toronto Maple Leafs. And what happened at the Toronto Maple Leafs is he ended up getting fired, but he signed this multi-crazy deal, like about, uh, I think it was like eight years, around 50 million bucks. And then what happened is he got hired by the Columbus Blue Jackets after doing a stint uh, with uh, some teams, the university hockey teams in Saskatchewan. Well, he uh, what, what happened, and uh, a podcast, another hockey podcast out there, had uh, broke the story they uh, said that he was looking at the players phones and um, you know they thought well man, this can't be true I mean uh, coaches don't go through you know uh, players phones well he did and uh, make a long story short on Sunday he resigned so obviously there is more to the story and he basically pissed away eight million dollar contract by being uh, you know the uh, complete dickhead that he is and and he's not a nice man he's not a nice man at all it's all verified and uh, he probably will never coach again in the national hockey league so uh that was the big news uh in canada this week anybody else got some crazy news to share before we go into our first song from fist what was he trying to accomplish by that? Getting nudie pictures of their wives or getting them saying bad words about him or what? I'm glad you asked that. Mike Babcock likes to be a power-hungry coach. So what he does is he, he he's kind of calculated. He basically says, hey, you know, uh, so-and-so got married or whatever, and uh, do you have pictures on your phone? And they'll go, oh, yeah, we'll share that. So Johnny Goudreau and Boone Jenner – uh, players for the Columbus Blue Jackets, they shared that with Mike Babcock. And then the uh, the general manager, Jarmo Kikalainen, they were sharing photos as well. But then the younger players that just got signed, you know, they'd had a wild weekend, uh, you know, uh, from the summer and stuff. And, and they probably had some discretionary pictures on their phones and they didn't want him seeing their their his their phones. And that's where he, that's where the problem comes in, is he gets real power hungry by seeing you know being domineering with these younger players, and what ends up happening is you know he does kind of a head trip on them, and they just kind of follow him and stuff. And uh, his coaching tactics are very questionable at best. So that's where the problem came in. It was okay with the young, older players, but it wasn't okay with the younger players. So yeah, to, to, to answer your question, GM, they probably had some X-rated photos. Maybe their wives showed some nude pictures. Who knows? Maybe they were, you know, in a bar and somebody's, you know, up, you know, throwing their, their top up and exposing, you know, the titty pictures or whatever. But the bottom line is a coach should have no business looking at a player's phone. A coach is there to coach. He's not there to intrude on their private lives. So, end of story on that. Anybody else got nobody, uh, anything that happened in the news? I was going to say I'm nobody sorry, should nope. be looking at your, nobody should be looking at your phone. Not even wives. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Well, we're not going to go there. But um, well, is there I'm any other saying. news articles? <laughs> any other news articles that are worthy of uh, mentioning? 
any of the news articles that I've heard were all, you know, politics and stupid shit. So other than that, I've, I've got really nothing to add. Okay. Well, we're good on that then. All right. So here's the first song by Fist. It's called Hot Spikes.
that was a cool anti-drug song from Fist, the great music of Fist. Uh, and I guess what I'm going to talk tonight about is uh, hockey, uh, not in a factual sense so much, but more of a, you know, phenomenon sense. I like to talk about the phenomenons of the world, I guess. So I guess hockey was invented, I don't know, 500 years ago by the Indians here in Canada. And... Uh, the rumor has it that for hockey pucks, they used to use French settlers' skulls uh, on the ice. No, I'm, maybe that was confirmed. But anyway, it's an old sport uh, and an important sport because it really changed the uh, really changed the dynamic of of uh, even the U.S. in the sense that back in the early days, they had all these American hockey teams uh, that were you know all over Chicago and New York and blah blah blah. And uh, but there wasn't a lot of American players. Most of the players were Canadian. So they had guys like Bobby Hull and all these guys, Lafleur, and all these Canadians from Quebec and all over Canada and Ontario <laughs> were playing for these American teams. Well, guess what happened? They all had children who were born American. So the hockey bloodlines that came from Canada were thrown into the mix in uh in the americas and since that uh american hockey has improved uh you'll notice that if you go back to the olympics the american team is, was has been getting you know over the last two or three decades better and better and better uh, and i believe part of that is because of the influx of canadian players that were down there playing for their teams and it also had a huge impact on even the world when it came to 1972 for example Paul Henderson scoring the winning goal against the Russians. Vladimir Trekjak. Trekjak was the name of the goaltender. The CCCP uh, team was highly controversial. Played against uh, many Canadian teams, not just uh, Canadian teams, but they also played against actual teams like the Bruins and some of these other places, um, <clears throat> which were really kind of cool because in those days, hockey was different. There were no helmets. I mean, Guy Lafleur used to smoke cigarettes on the bench, for God's sakes. Um, and people would use their sticks more as weapons. I mean, you could, they, quite often they were challenging each other, were using their sticks as spears and, you know, spearing and the, just a bloody, bloody, brutal game. They even made movies about it uh, with Paul Newman, Slapshot, for example, Goon. Um, you know, there was always a, a goon. Every team had a major goon. And his job was to just go crack skulls. That was his job. <laughs> they didn't care how many goals he scored or how many players he stopped as long as he gave a few good fights. And hockey fans, even since I was a kid, I can remember, grew up loving the fights. Um, and that was probably the only sport other than wrestling and boxing or, you know, martial arts that you could, you know, really enjoy a good fight. And they weren't really staged, but they were, if you listen, listen to some of the mic'd up moments with these players, they actually talk to each other and they'll say, it's puck drop, you want to go? That was the big word, you want to go? You want to go? And as soon as the other guy agreed to going, they dropped the gloves and they start hammering on each other, of course. And then, uh, and then Gretzky kind of changed all of that. Uh, Stan Makita was the first guy to wear a helmet, and Gretzky always wore a helmet. And, of course, Gretzky was phenomenal in his own right. But that kind of changed the sport and turned it a little less about the fighting and more about the skills. And, uh, you know, Gretzky had a long run with the, the uh, 
the Edmonton Oilers and and Makita, of course, was with uh, uh, Chicago. So that whole journey that the Canadian, uh, that that I shouldn't say Canadian hockey, it was both American and Canadian. The whole journey was was kind of a slow moving stir of of how things progressed. But the early days of of hockey. Guys like Gump Worsley and Eddie Jackman, and who who happened to be my father's next door neighbor, uh, they would be in the net taking 100 mile an hour slap shots with no face mask, uh, no helmet, you know, just just crazy shit. So I think hockey really is one of the biggest sports to undergo a uh, many changes, but b many influences on. Um, on society, and then of course, it even leads into the story that that uh, that Bry guy is going to talk about. Is hockey even is why Tim Hortons was invented? Tim Hortons was a hockey player, as some of you may or may not know. But anyway, there was a lot of lot of uh, things that happened with hockey, and like I said, all the all the way from genetics going down into the U.S. So big influences there. Uh, it it really sort of shaped the Canadian nation of of you know tough tough players and uh, as a kid I played hockey for many years I started when I was four years old outdoor rinks I mean it really shaped shaped Canada as as a real team playing uh, uh, you know sort of a cultural franchise of of how important that game was to to the country of Canada and to the U.S. and now in the world you know everywhere they have so many places have teams now. So basically, that's what I wanted to do: is just kind of bring awareness to the fact that Canada, that, that hockey was a played a major role in in the world. Basically, do you um do you remember the? I think it was the Soviets playing Team Canada, and yes. Phil Esposito came out and made that amazing speech, right? Because everybody was getting down on the Canadian team at the time, saying, you know, you're playing Russians. Are, are you kidding? Like, are, are you really trying? And Phil just came out and made this amazing speech. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And it completely turned the team around after that. They, you know, um, yeah. they went on. and I think they went on to beat the Canadian I, uh, or the Russians in that series, uh, led by Phil Esposito. And there's Bobby Orr back then and whatnot. Um, and now... I don't know if you know GM, but they're actually going to Australia. They're uh, going to be playing oh, a game. Uh, the LA Kings are playing, I believe, the San Jose Sharks. Don't quote me on it, on oh, it wow. but I believe. Uh, and they're going over there to, to play in Australia. So, uh, yeah, the game has really expanded. What I like, what I really like about hockey compared to any sport is the, first of all, the parody is any team can win the Stanley Cup every year. You don't always have the same as basketball. Like, let's face it, NBA is a joke, right? You have the same team that wins the their their joke of a of a you know trophy every year. I mean, the Stanley Cup is the most proudest trophy. I mean, there is no better uh, you know trophy in, in sports, and they're tough. They're tough. These guys are playing through a grueling. There is no series like the playoffs where you've got to win 16 games to win the Stanley Cup. There's there's no competition like that in any sport. Now you tell me if yeah. I'm wrong. 
No, it's a, the best of seven. You know, that's in your in your playoffs and whatnot. It's a big it's a big playoff season. But uh, I don't know if I would agree with you on that. It's the biggest biggest accomplishment because I think many people in the U.S. would uh, probably more probably most people in the U.S. would pick NFL over over NHL as far as the biggest accomplishment. Super Bowl. I don't think how hockey compares to the popularity of the Super Bowl. No, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, it's definitely, uh, uh, and yet, look where the Stanley Cup stays. It stays in the States every year. Now, mind you, there's a lot of yeah. Canadian players on those teams. I mean, look at last year's winner, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. How long have they been mm-hmm. in the NHL? About three years, right? And they win mm-hmm. the Stanley Cup. So uh, it, it does help when your t- team is partially owned by Jerry Bruckheimer, right? One of the producers <laughs> yeah. of yeah, that kind of helps a little bit. Money money talks in hockey, for sure. But the idea of getting oh, yeah. expansion teams into the league and they were crappy, they're, they're not crappy anymore. Look at the last two competitive teams. Seattle Kraken, right? They were in the playoffs last year. And Las Vegas has been in the playoffs now out of the three years, two years. So, uh, no, that's what I like about this sport. I live for it in 30 days from now. You won't be talking to me in the evenings. I'll be listening to three, four hockey games every night. So, except, of course, Thursday nights when we do our Highway Freaks uh, visits uh, with, with our Highway Freaks out there. So, uh, you know, how about you, know you Bruce? Hockey do you change? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, do you, know, do you know when it took its, when hockey took its big push? And you know who was responsible for that? It was Wayne Gretzky. And I'll tell you when. Wayne Gretzky. Yes. When, when he not not when he was an oiler what changed hockey is that and like he's like i always like to talk about is phenomenons and things like this what changed hockey into this massive made it a cool sport and a huge franchise win and everything else was when wayne gretzky signed with the la kings they gave him uh five percent of the gate on the la fan base to get to the games and they made Los Angeles a hockey town again. The minute that happened, it became a cool sport in Los Angeles again, and everything just opened up like a like a big window. Oh yeah, because look at look at everybody that was going to the games. You had John Candy back right. then that right. was always at the right. games. You had sports figures from other sports that were, you know going to see the great one play and you know and yet he never won a cup with the la kings never did no 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 but he changed hockey he did but he also changed salaries as well he dramatically changed players salaries i mean you got players making anywhere well the average player coming to the nhl is making about two million a year now and you got your top players like austin matthews is now the most highest paid player and I think he makes 13.5, followed by uh, Nathan uh, McKinnon, who makes just a little more than Connor McDavid. So I think it's like half a million more than Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid falls on about 10, 11 million. And then Nathan McKinnon is, is a little uh, over that. And like I said, Austin Matthews just signed an insane deal for four years because Toronto thinks they're going to win the Stanley Cup in four years. Well, they haven't done that since since uh, Jimi Hendrix was alive. So, <laughs> actually, we're going to talk about the last time Toronto did win the cup, 
and one of the guys that uh, was involved in winning the cup, uh, Tim Horton, I might add. So he won it four times with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So who thought, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Anything you want to add to that, Bruce or Pav? And I'm not, not a big hockey fan, Bruce. Same here, not a hockey fan, man. <laughs> I mean, back when I was a kid, we used to go to, uh, you know, Islander games. And Dennis okay. Potvin. What, what's that? His, Dennis Potvin, number five, was the big star for the Islanders back then. And Billy Smith. Yeah. And Clark Gillies. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, there's a whole slew of them, right? You know, Brian Trottier, uh you know, there's, there's that they were, they were rugged, man. You know, they took out the Oilers the first time the Oilers played. They lost four straight to them, and then the next year the Oilers came back and beat them and took away their dynasty. Did you enjoy the games, Bruce? When you went there to, to the live games, did you enjoy the game? Oh yeah, yeah. I used to love going. I mean, I, mean, I was a kid, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't know when and, the Islanders now, came into play, but. I, I don't know now, if the Islanders came into play. Was it the seventies? Uh, what when they were winning the cups? No, when they came in, when they formed a team. I think that was back in nineteen seventy-two, GM, that they uh, actually formed. Yeah. It's amazing, yeah. really. It is. It is, and they were a rough team back then. My God. Mm-hmm. So yeah, hockey's yeah. changed. It's uh, the the equipment's gotten better. The game's gotten way faster. And if you can't yeah, keep up, you know, I mean, uh, Toronto just signed a, a, a guy named Ryan Reeves for a huge contract. And um, they call him Revo. And uh, they think that basically he's not only going to add the muscle, but he's going to add the, uh, the skill. And I think they're going to find out real quick that this guy is nowhere near going to be as fast as what the NHL is. And I think they're going to basically pretty much waste three years of the four years they signed them for. So, um, yeah, hockey's an interesting sport. Um, and one thing is, uh, you know, if you have, uh, have, this is for you, if you have checked, uh, you know, CBC, mm-hmm. uh, the Punjabis are getting involved and uh, have it on Hockey Night in Canada as well. Oh, yeah. You probably noticed that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, so, okay. Have you seen the movie about the Punjabi, the Punjabi, uh, Punjabi uh, hockey team path? That's a great movie. Yeah, there are like a couple of movies. India is into hockey. What was it? What was it called? It was I forget what it was called. Do you remember, Bry guy? It was about a team of guys that uh, uh, they were Punjabi and they were all good hockey players, but they they formed this team to join this league. And I forget Russell Russell Peters was in it. Really. Because I, yeah, I, I remember cool. cool Runnings, the Jamaican bobsled team. No. That was a great, yeah, no, was that was a, a great movie. Russell Peters really? was in it. I'd have to look it up. I'd have to look it up, uh-huh. but it was definitely worth the watch. For sure. It's a good movie. Oh, yeah. There yeah. are a couple of movies in Bollywood for hockey. Yeah. In Bollywood, well, too? Well, oh, mean, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah in oh, Bollywood. Wow. Yeah. Really? Okay. Interesting. Like yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, good for them getting involved with the game. I mean, uh, you know, that's why it's 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 such an international game. So, excellent. Yeah. Really good to hear. So, and we will get into my topic in a minute uh, on Tim Horton. 
But first, let's get on the radio with Fist, a classic on Highway Freaks. about uh, electric trucks being mandated, uh, especially coming into California. And, you know, we some of the articles that I read, because I got really engrossed in finding out, well, are we going to all have to switch over to electric vehicles? And you got to understand, all these electric vehicles, all these large trucks that are using that that are using alternative fuel, uh, electrical fuel, green energy, they're adding these huge batteries. I mean, they're massive to be able to move that weight down the road. So now what that's doing, it's cutting out the amount of of load, the, the load 
specifics that you can haul because your batteries are occupying most of your 80,000 pounds. So you you can only carry a small amount. Next, you've got a limited amount of uh, range. You've only got 500 miles that you can go if you're lucky. And that depends on road conditions, temperature, all manner of things that affect the drivability and range of a vehicle. Some of the things that they're they're mandating with California, they're saying that by 19, uh, 2035, they want all uh, commercial vehicles to be electric. And the problem is the infrastructure that's going to build up to be able to support all these vehicles is not growing it's not growing fast enough, if at all, to be able to support that. Uh, there was a story that I read that a California company attempted to um, uh, at least electrify only 12 forklifts, forklifts only. This is not trucks, just forklifts. The local power company, the power utility, shut them down immediately saying the draw would be too much. What they're saying is that most truck stops that are now having to support these electric vehicles are going to have to have the capacity much akin to a large stadium to be able to support the electrical vehicles. And talking about the electrical trucks and what their demand is. They, the, the, uh, another company in, uh, in Joliet, Illinois, attempted to do the same thing with setting up four trucks that they were going to use. They said the amount of energy that they were going to need equaled what the entire city used on a per daily basis. So they said there's no way the infrastructure can support it. So my question is this, how are they going to expect to come out with all these electric vehicles coming into play by 2035, and remember, California leads the country in doing these, you know, new ideas. Now the rest of the company is going to follow suit and follow in lockstep behind California and start mandating these things. But how's our infrastructure going to be able to support it? Not to mention, what are the truckers going to do when they do their 500 miles? Now, remember, most drivers, they're being paid by miles. So now you're going to have to stop and get charged up after you do a measly, maybe three, maybe 350 miles. You're going to have to stop. You're going to have to wait in line to be able to get to a charger because you may not be able to find the charger that you need. And then you're going to sit there for maybe three, five, maybe eight hours. So now you've used up your clock. How do you... How do, how do you accommodate your your clock and the income potential that you're losing because you've got this electric vehicle you have to use? So anyway, my thought is that they're pushing these EVs. They're not thinking of where are we getting the materials for the batteries? How's the electrical grid going to support these huge draws on their power system? And what are the drivers going to do or the companies that are employing these drivers? How are they going to afford 
to get these trucks and how are they going to accommodate the lack of freight that they can haul? Well, I want to get in on this because uh, I was sure. just discussing this with a friend the other day. And I said, you know, um, she said, you can only drive 11 hours a day in the States. And I said, yeah. She said, so how on earth are you going to be able to drive 11 hours with an electric rig? And I said, you won't, quite simply. You'll probably, because think about it, Bruce. How long do you think it's going to take to charge an electric rig? I'm, I've seen cars in the States. I've talked to people, and it, it's taken them almost two hours to charge their electric vehicles. Now, do you think you could charge right. an electric rig in two hours? I doubt it. Even if you could, you I'm listen, we've all been in a truck stop where we've been behind, you know, three, four, five trucks. And, you know, there's eight, eight, eight fueling lanes. There's five trucks in each one waiting to fuel up. Can you imagine if that was an electrical vehicle and they have to sit there for four or five hours to get charged? Uh, well, yeah, and then you're eating up your 14-hour shift as well. So exactly. you're never, you're, you're never yeah, you're never going to get 500 miles a day. You'll be lucky if you get 350 Okay, especially the truck I drive, right? But we don't go there. But no, um, I agree with you 100. percent And they're not thinking about what powers these trucks inside. You have microwaves, you have TVs now, you have coolers, you have fridges, uh, you have coffee makers, instapots, air fryers, toasters. I mean, they're not given any thought about this. So how on earth are they going to accomplish that to accommodate all that extra power? Right, because it's all lobbyists. Uh, I I think of this of a similar situation back in oh, I don't know 50, 20 years ago or so. There was a company called Idle Air, and I was actually the spokesperson for them with my music. But oh, yeah, they, they were they were, yep, they were charged up by millions and millions of dollars from lobbyists and government grants to build all of these places, all of these things that were set up for an air conditioner in your window. Uh, and they had, I don't know how many millions of dollars invested in this stuff. And it was all government funded. It was all lobbyists making them, getting money to these guys. So in five or six years, it was dead and gone. Company was shut down. There was all of these apparatuses all over the bloody country of these non-functioning idle air outfits. And the same thing reminds me here. All it is, is the politicians and the lobbyists are trying to get all of this acceptance from all this government money and they're not thinking about all of these things you just mentioned because it's not even realistic to think it there's no common sense attached to it but they don't care about the common sense because it's just about the lobbyists and the acceptances by the government to dish over billions and billions of dollars towards that whole situation which is probably going to end up falling on its face and screwing up the country even more, right? I believe that's where we're at with the whole thing because none of it makes sense. Like for every reason you guys mentioned, none of it makes sense. It's bad enough that they're dealing with ELDs. Can you, like you said, can you imagine having to wait 12 to maybe three days, maybe five days, maybe two weeks to get recharged? Well, and I'm going to add something again. Yeah, I'm go ahead. Add something again. Our winters in Alberta, there's no way you're going to tell me 
are going to be well sufficient for these batteries. I mean, we're talking minus 40 guys that last a week. Can you imagine being in a, I shudder to even think that, that what could happen? You'd be freezing your, your willies off. Why haven't they figured out how to do this with solar energy that you can get charging while you're going down the road with the sun? I don't quite understand that part. Well, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense because, you know, trucks are in, in the sun in a lot of different areas. So I agree with you, GM. But, you know, um, unfortunately, again, we go back to the two governments that we have that are really gung-ho that they just get real hard-ons about electric vehicles. And uh, they basically uh, are going to shove it down our throats, whether we like it or not. And then they'll deal with the chaos later. And you were right about those idle airs. I was actually parked over at an idle air station uh, down in the States in Texas. And they uh, actually had somebody buy them. Uh, and uh, they, were putting, they were putting those stupid units in again. And who God only knows what kind of air they're blowing into your truck, eh? Like, I mean, there's, there's a lot of controversy about those. So I never liked them. I don't know if any of, you, any of you guys ever tried them, but I did not like them myself. Did you ever try them, Bruce or GM? I did. I was just never the reason. So go ahead, Bruce. I, I never had to use it. I mean, I, I remember I used to go back and forth uh, across um, Arizona, and I remember in Phoenix they had them at uh, – whatever truck stop I was in. In fact, the Laredo terminal for Werner used to have an idle air stand that, I don't know, I never really saw anybody using it. I don't even know if they still worked. So I never had the the, the good fortune to use it. But, you know, they, they made a lot of uh, claims that they that probably made sense when they were coming out with it. They had power, uh, they had uh, phone, they had cable. All those things were were in that that unit. And remember, then we came out with modern cell phones and internet connections and the like. So you didn't need those things. You already had them on your truck. And right. the fact that now you have APUs and the like, it, it made it uh, pointless because now you're You've already got the equipment on your truck. An APU is fairly efficient. So why would you want to spend to have, you know, idle air done if you don't need it? It's already, I've already got it in, you know, on board. And well, like I was said, involved, where, where is that now? Where's involved. that idle air now? It's, it's, it's dead in the water, right? And you know, you got all involved, these... Go ahead, Jim. Because I was involved in it, I knew some of the directors and some of the high eye ups in Idle Air. And I'm telling you right now, that whole thing was a front for government money. It was all about all of these truck stops getting funded. It wasn't costing them a dime to put together. It was millions and millions and millions of dollars being put up by the government. The same exact reason that they were doing that is why they're doing the EV stuff. It was all lobbyists and government money and had nothing to do with some private enterprise that, that was trying to help the truckers of the world. It was all about money. I'm telling you, all about government money. And we're going to watch the EVs, uh, electric rigs, Thanks. fall on their face. Thanks. And unfortunately, Thanks. whoever's in the industry 
is going to suffer financially from it. And the reason that we're not going to get that, I don't think it's going to get that far because eventually the people with the utility companies are going to come up and say, we will not be able to support the uh, the vehicles that you're producing, the manufacturing end, the infrastructure will not keep up with it. So they won't be able to support that supply. And if they're they're planning to mandate that you have to switch to an electrical vehicle, if the infrastructure isn't there, you're going to have them voted out of office because they're saying, you made us buy these things that we cannot use. Yeah. And the other point is that I asked about why not solar. Well, I'll tell you why not solar, because the sun is free. <laughs> well, once again, even with solar, now you still need the battery. Yeah, but because if you've got something that can charge by the sun, it means that you have no, no, uh, no reliance on having to go to these stations to charge you extra for this power you know because that if you've got a battery and the sun's charging it as you go who are you going to pay to get that done nobody because the sun's free yeah so that's what, why. what happens if uh the uh the sky is overcast and you're not getting that full output from your solar panels now you're going to need to use an outside source to charge up your vehicle unless you have a uh a hybrid where you're able to use diesel or the like, that means you have dual systems, and that would be cost well, ineffective. Well, there are other the options that's that they have. Now? What about Say the solar again? that's out there now? They have, what about the, the options that they have out there now that are solar? There's cloudy days going on, but they have they have a I guess some sort of a charging like a it, it stores the bad the Sunday the sun yeah. from the day before or whatever the case may be. But I believe yeah, the reason that we don't see that, right? But I believe the reason we don't see that is because there's nobody to make money on it. The government. <laughs> well, they're they're doing the same thing with the electrical vehicles. In fact, it's costing a lot more to set up the infrastructure that's needed. I don't yeah, know why yeah. they didn't advance more with the hydrogen uh, engine. Yeah, I they, agree. It, they're very efficient, and it's it's a quick charge all you have to do is you pull out one hydrogen cell you insert another one it takes you a minute or two just a big game and i know there's been a lot done for uh the hydrogen engine i've seen loads of uh prototypes i haven't seen one that they're able to do in a truck so i'm not sure what they have to do to advance it but when you have somebody like uh elon musk pushing the tesla and all the things on EVs, it's hard to go against that weight and say, well, let's push something else until the infrastructure says we can't support it. Didn't and they have a guy that invented the car on water? Say it again. Didn't they have a guy? That, didn't they have a guy that invented how to a working car that was based on just putting water in there and boiling the water in the engine and for, for, and causing energy that way? I mean, I believe there's technologies, but but I don't think they're interested in the ones that don't cost us very much. <laughs> well, I, I I heard about the the water engine, but it's been for the most part debunked. 
a little bit. I can see where it would work. They don't use steam. They break it down into the hydrogen component, uh, and they use that as a uh, a power source. So uh, I don't know exactly. You know, I can look and see how the hydrogen cell works and how the hydrogen engine works. I understand basically what it's doing, but there was a problem with having these hydrogen cells produced, and I don't know why. It should be fairly simple because hydrogen is a, a component of the air that's in the atmosphere. So yeah. it would be a, unlimited. Yeah. But maybe that's why they're not doing it. It's because it's like the old Tesla theory. He used to say that he could give the whole world electricity for free. And, of course, that he was you know, sent to us in an insane asylum and his, all of his ideas were stolen. Now being used by Harp up in Alaska, Alaska there, but... Um, I mean, I think it's, I really believe it's about money. It's, 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 they don't want to give us something that we can use for free. Well, you know, it, it always boils down. Yeah. Maybe you're getting this for free, but you need the mechanism to, to utilize right. it. That somebody's right. going to have to produce it. Somebody's going to sell it. Somebody's going to buy it. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's just that. Who who's supplying it and who's buying it? That's the that's where it transitions, and the the government, whichever government we're talking about, they're leaning on or they're 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 kowtowing to whatever entity is pressuring them for uh, the current uh, Democratic administration in the states. He's leaning right. on his progressive end. And his green end, which is saying we want green energy, so all this right. works out. Now they didn't say anything about the fact that these batteries are, you know, they're made, and they're they're causing a lot of pollution just manufacturing the batteries. Mm -hmm. And they're saying yeah. it it might be worse than what the vehicle is doing using internal combustion. So now right. are batteries considered bad? And they're more efficient because the electric vehicle has less moving parts. Yeah, you don't have some superheated engine that's wearing things out and vibrating things. They're servos. Those can be swapped out very quickly if they go bad. A general good idea, yeah. But the negatives, having this weighted battery in your vehicle, whether it be a car or whatnot, and the cost, because we all know we have cell phones. Eventually the battery goes foobar and you can't use it because the battery never holds a charge. Why? Because the battery goes bad. Same let's, thing with uh, a car battery, same thing with the truck battery. Before we take a break, let's ask Pav what uh, his opinion on uh, this topic is. So, okay, I'm gonna be talking totally different according to you guys. As a tech guy, okay, and don't take me in the wrong way. I like the idea. And if you think it from the government side, okay, I don't know what they're planning to do. But when I was in Vancouver, most of the electricity was free there because it was BC Hydro. And the electricity was created through the like water. So it was nothing like they're not wasting any resource or something. At that kind of area, for local cars and stuff, I would say I love the idea. But as soon as you add like trucks and all these kind of things, uh, I cannot say the same thing because the 
trucks as a different story and for long routes and stuff yeah probably keep using the same engines but for the city and for local people electric i would love to see the idea going through you know so that's my you know, kind of take okay you know what i'd like to see i'd like to see electric trains get rid of the diesel trains go electric trains leave us trucks alone uh, go electric trains uh, the trains are already electric in the cities and stuff so far that i can see because in the cities the metros and all of them they are mostly electric but yeah, new, york, new york mta is all electric uh the vancouver vancouver one is the vancouver sky train is all electric even so in why can't why can't cn rail okay uh, why the, can't they why the can't one they the one that carries the like a load and stuff i don't think uh, like they still are ready to put that kind of pressure but the local ones in the cities and stuff the uh they are electric i think they are planning to do the same thing with the buses that sounds really good because they're all in the city cars bro they are smart okay if from the tech side and they are really good and you don't have to pay kind of like anything right now with the tesla they they are bringing another program like you can have your rooftop remove and put the solar panel there so you have your electricity free and your car is charging every day for free so you will not going to pay anything for the fuel kind of thing so those are things are good for the trucks i i i cannot say the same thing you know because as you said you have to go for a long ride for a like 12 hour 20 hour something like that that's not the same kind of situation but if you see the tesla truck you're going to love the idea of that thing that's what i can say you know the design the comfort the features that they provide everything they are good I'm not sure about the range and all that thing, you know. Well, we'll see. Yeah, that, uh, that we'll be, see. That'll be yet to be continued because uh, they are doing it and they are putting up more charging stations. But I've yeah. yet to see an idea where Elon Musk says, oh, no problem. We can use the uh, rigs with the same charging station. Could you imagine having bobtails parked where cars are nah. <laughs> that would be just chaos that would be chaos but Not to mention trailers if well. if you check their yeah, video yeah they have a place where the trailers can be put to be able to move the rigs in it would be a mess it, it would be chaos it really would but so, if you see you know like if you see the like the demo that they showed like they're giving around uh, i think uh, this is called tesla semi truck something uh and they are really fast compared to diesel trucks and everything like everything is good uh the range is like 800 kilometers like something like that it's not that good when it compared to the diesel ones but overall for the driver safety and so many things like you have a proper view for 360 view of the truck trucks can do auto driving like even if you sleep they can control before like like safety wise really good okay range wise not good at all but if they keep trying probably they will get to that kind of like range that the diesel trucks are right now so like for right now i don't think it's the best option but in the future maybe i'm not sure for that yeah okay so let's go to uh, a very appropriate song from fist there goes the neighborhood <laughs> okay okay
those guys are busy uh, as well as motorhead mark also a truck driver doing the overtime tonight so uh, we'll uh, definitely get a hold of them and uh, they'll probably be back next week for your enjoyment so the history of tim hortons guys uh everybody i don't think there's a trucker out there that hasn't been to tim hortons i am going to ask you bruce have you ever been to tim hortons no i'm a trucker i've never been to a tim hortons are you are you serious? You're being serious here. I'm 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 being serious. Because because Tim Hortons all Tim Hortons is all over the United States, buddy. Okay. Yeah, um, I know. But I, you asked me if I've ever been to one. No, I've been to a Bob okay. Evans. I've been to uh, okay. you know, a Skyline Chili. Um, wow. So never never had a, a, a desire to go to Tim Hortons, eh? He doesn't know what it is. Uh, well, no, he not, does. It's, 
they're, they've, I, they've been, Bruce has driven by I them. Grew I grew up with the Islanders. I didn't like the Canadian. I, even though I got family in Toronto, I didn't like the Canadians. So I wasn't going to go to a place that was created by a Canadian hockey player. <laughs> okay. He was American. Wasn't he? Was he Canadian or American? Okay, let Canadian, me get into this. Tim Horton, Canadian. Let me get into this. So in 1964, Tim Horton, an accomplished NHL hockey player, opened his first Tim Horton donut shop in Hamilton, Ontario. Prior to that, he had won four Stanley Cups with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Okay, by 1968, Tim Horton had become a multi-million dollar franchise system. Okay, donuts were always cooked fresh in the early mornings. I can remember this as a kid. We had a Tim Hortons right by where we lived. And every morning, my dad would take me in there. And they were just the best fresh cooked donuts. Uh, they aren't now. And I'll tell you why. We'll get in, into that. But uh, back then, their their claim to fame was, you know, fresh cooked donuts and a very unique homemade brewed coffee. Every every morning you got one in there. Um, now, Tim Horton's previous business ventures included both a hamburger restaurant and a Studebaker auto dealership in Toronto. Tim Horton died after losing control of his Di Tommaso uh, Pantera sports car on the Queen Elizabeth Highway in St. Catharines, Ontario. The accident happened in the early morning of February 21st, 1974. He had played a game in Toronto the previous evening against his former team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and was driving alone back to Buffalo. Uh, the Sabres had lost the game, and despite sitting out the third period and playing with the jaw and ankle injury, Horton was actually selected as one of the game's three stars. Out of the top 100 uh, NHL players, he's actually ranked in there, by the way. I did not know he was that good. He, he is. He was. Okay. Horton's Pantera had, had basically been given to him by Sabres general manager, Punch Imlach, as an enticement to return to the team for one more season. On his drive back to Buffalo, Horton stepped by, stopped by his office in Oakville, Ontario, and met there. he was met there by his business partner, Ron Joyce. While Tim Horton had phoned his brother at the time, Jerry, who recognized Tim had been drinking, um, he actually persuaded him not to continue driving and, uh, you know, sleep it off. And even his business partner, Ron Joyce, offered to stay with him. Nonetheless, back then, drinking and driving wasn't as, as like, you know, common choice as it is now. Back then, it was like, oh, I can sleep it off. I'm fine. You know, I'm only going to Buffalo. I'm fine. But after 4 a.m., a woman driving a car reported to the OPP in Burlington that she saw the Pantera traveling at an, a high rate of speed, over 100 miles an hour. Okay. And um, a warning was then broadcast over the police radio. 30 minutes later, Officer Mike Gula observed a speeding sports car traveling Niagara bound on the QE Highway in Vineland, Ontario. Gula resumed chase after Horton's car with sirens a blasting, but he lost sight of the car. Horton passed a curve in the road at Ontario Street and was approaching the Lake Street exit in St. Catharines when he lost control and drove into the center grass median. His tire caught a recessed sewer that was uh, located above the grass, which caused the car to flip several times before it came to stop on its roof in the Toronto-based lanes. Uh, now, not wearing a seatbelt, Horton, Horton was actually found 123 feet, 37 meters from his car. 
That's a long way, guys. He was pronounced dead at St. Catherine's General Hospital, and um, that was the end of Tim Horton. In 2005, Horton's autopsy, autopsy was made public. Apparently, his blood level was twice the legal limit. Also, a half-filled vodka bottle was amongst the crash debris. Tim Horton was also in possession of the drugs dexedrine, a stimulant, and dexamil, a stimulant sedative. Traces of amobarbital, an ingredient in dexamil, were also found in his blood. So he was tanked, but he was also drugged up too pretty good. Okay. Following Horton's death, Ron Joyce offered Horton's widow, Lori, the sum of $1 million for her shares in the chain, which actually at that time were 40 stores back then. She accepted his offer, and Joyce became the sole ownership of Tim Horton's. Years later, Lori became dissatisfied with Joyce's offer and filed a lawsuit against him. In 1993, Lori lost her lawsuit, and as a further appeal, she didn't even actually win it back in 1995 as well. She died in 2000 at the age of 68. Today, Tim Hortons, commonly nicknamed Tim or Timmy's, is a Canadian multinational coffee house and restaurant chain. It is Canada's largest quick service restaurant chain, and it has 5,352 restaurants in 15 countries as of June 30th, 2022. The original founders were Tim Horton, Jim Charade, and Ron Joyce. The areas that are now served are Bahrain, Canada, China, Egypt, India, Kuwait, Mexico, Oman, Pakistan, Philippines, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Spain, Thailand, United Arab Emirates, United Kingdom, and as far as the United States goes, we got New York, Georgia, Kentucky, uh, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Texas, Ohio, New Jersey, Maine, Indiana, and West Virginia. Revenues of $3.34 billion as of 2021 worldwide. And total assets are $13.99 billion internationally. Ron Joyce, who assumed control over operations after Horton had passed in 1974, expanded the chain into a multi-billion dollar franchise. Jim Charade left the organization in 1966 and briefly returned in 1970 and 1993 through 1996. On August 26, 2014, Burger King agreed to merge with Tim Hortons for $11.4 billion. The two chains became subsidiaries of Toronto-based holding company Restaurant Brands International. Also owned in them are Popeyes, Firehouse Subs, Heinz, and Kraft. The majority is owned by the Brazilian investment firm 3G Capital on December 15, 2014. So to sum it up, guys, Tim Horton's conglomerate is now owned by a company in Brazil in South America. Isn't that crazy? Canadian institution, my ass. You didn't mention Wendy's at all. And didn't Wendy's... Uh, yeah, Wendy's Horton. was part of that at some point. I think so. I think so. I think so. It didn't, it didn't mention it really. So maybe maybe Wendy's bowed out of it. I don't know. But um, No, Wendy's, no, Wendy's started off as a separate entity. They didn't, did they? They didn't yeah, maintain so. it. After, yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So, um, 
But uh, yeah, that's kind of what happened. And uh, it's kind of sad that another Canadian institution, a very great institution, is now owned by, uh, well, not even the United States, not even China. We're talking a company in Brazil that uh, has a very large, uh, I think it's 32% stake in them. So uh, I'd, I'd yeah. rather it be Brazil than the Chinese. True. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. So, Bruce, maybe next, <laughs> now that you, uh, you know, you know a little bit about Tim Hortons, maybe you'll check out their coffee and their donuts. Because uh, I'm telling you, your, your uh, Dunkin' Donuts, uh, is that the ones that we're talking about, the ones in the States? Uh, they're really overrated. Their coffee's terrible. And, you know, their, their donuts are terrible. They, they really aren't that good. I, I have tried Dunkin' Donuts, so I can make an opinion on that. How about you, GM? Are you in agreement on that? Uh, not necessarily. I, I think that for a person who doesn't know the taste of Tim Hortons, it, it's not a taste that they're going to just love all, all right off the bat. Like, for example, Starbucks is huge in the States. And I'm okay with Starbucks. It's a really, it's a really bitter coffee. I find Tim Hortons is a little less, a little less bitter than Starbucks, and probably more, more, probably closer to Dunkin' Donuts than it is at Starbucks. Um, but I mean, it's uh, it's definitely acquired taste, I think. Yeah, and there's there was actually rumors that uh, Tim Hortons coffee is now McDonald's coffee, and that's not very that right. There is a rumor about that because Tim Hortons definitely changed the recipe for their coffee. I don't know what they did, but uh, I enjoy the McDonald's coffee much more. But uh, that's the story of Tim Hortons. And um, anybody have any further questions? How about you, Pav? Are you a Timmy's lover? Oh, yes, man. From last four years, that's the coffee I'm drinking. Actually, tea, yeah. but yeah. Tim Hortons is the only one. I The first thing I went when I arrived at Canada was Starbucks. And from an Indian side, we always drink our coffee or tea, sweet, okay? And not like normal sweet, yeah. really, really sweet. But Starbucks was totally on the other side, so I didn't like it. Then I went to Tim Hortons and the lady offered me steep tea. And from that time, from 2019 till now, that's the only my go-to drink. You know, whenever I'm outside, I always order steep tea. Uh, sometimes Tim Bits, but steep tea is the only one. And I'm like shocked when you said bro, that you did, never went to Tim Hortons, bro, like, Seriously, man. <laughs> right. Yeah, Steve I mean, and, pretty popular, too. <laughs> and then you got guys like Justin Bieber that uh, recently got yeah. with Tim Hortons. Tim Bits. And, Tim Bits. Yeah, Tim Bits. Uh, they, were, they were bad. They were, the Tim Beebs weren't bad. Yeah, they um, were good. I will say that they, they, they had some good taste, good flavor to them. Um, I will say that most of their Tim Bits do start, start to taste the same now. That they really didn't uh, improve on the quality or taste of their Timbits. So um, uh, there is one. I will. I will add one thing. I'll give a plug to one donut shop, but they they really increased the price of their donuts. And if you ever go by Red Deer, Alberta, Canada, check out the the uh, place. It's called Windmill. The Windmill, and those donuts are amazing. If you haven't tried them, they're they're freshly baked in the morning to this very day. So. But uh, I still like a Timmy's coffee once in a while, and I'll, I'll grab myself a sausage, or an egg wrap, and, uh, you know, some home fries, and uh, or hash browns, rather, and, you know, Bandit, uh, get him uh, usually, you know, uh, his usual sausage and egg and cheese on a bun. So, so there you go. That's Tim Hortons. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so we got one more song from Fist. 
It's called Undercover Lover, and we get back, we'll have some pylon shoutouts here on Highway Freaks. <laughs> Got pylon shoutouts. Everybody got pylon shoutouts. I, think I, do. pylon I don't think out. I have many. I don't. I don't think I had many pylon shoutouts. It's kind of a, little, a slow week for me that way. Yeah. No pylon shoutouts for GM Bruce. Not for me. None for you. 
Pav always has some. Oh yeah, always. So always. always. Yeah, always when I'm working Monday to Friday, always. so always having like people around. So yeah, I will probably give the blue one to one of my helper in the job. His name is Dal. He's always there in my, like whenever I need him. He's the guy who's helping uh-huh. me in the office day to day basis. So yeah, best guy. Right. Uh, I will give the red one to our receptionist. Her name is uh, Stephanie. Really good girl. Always same thing there. And I don't think I have any black one the week went really good it was fun so see let's see if i'll find someone by the end of the sunday i'll add it to the next podcast well i'm gonna say a black one for sure uh, <laughs> because um oh i always have black ones yeah but uh this one this one's a i was really surprised i usually fill up my my ice i have like uh, you know one of those hotel ice chests you know you know those little little um, containers I got one of those and I always just fill it up and I never have a problem you know I fill up my truck you know I figure if I'm putting six seven hundred liters in or, or uh, not six seven hundred liters that's the gallons uh, if I'm putting 300 liters into a truck I'm surely entitled to a free amount of ice that it's not even a cup it's in my container but this guy he decided to stop me today and he says you know, you know, you have to pay for that. And I said, no, I don't. He goes, yeah, you do. He says, you've, you've got a whole bag of ice there. And I said, not really. I said, I have, I've gotten ice here hundreds of times. Nobody's ever had a problem. But this guy decided he was going to be the ice cops today. So I said, oh, okay, I'll be right back. I'll go, go, go get some in my truck. Well, needless to say, I never came back. So too bad. So, yeah. So in the end... I ain't paying for free ice when I fill up my truck. New, no, ain't gonna happen. So, yeah. What do you guys think of that? Do you think I'm wrong, or do you think I'm, I, I'm that's there's no big deal about that? There's always someone. You people know? in the world. That, I think there's people in the world that whenever something doesn't go exactly to their what they feel should be normal. Yeah. They have to be all freaked out. It's no different than a, a big truck bobtail being parked on a residential street. Nobody could care less. But the fact that it doesn't look like it belongs there freaks everybody out. Yeah. So this guy seeing you taking free ice decided he needs to stop this because it doesn't look like it belongs there. And I think that the same thing goes for anything. You know, whether you're... You know, you could be wearing, no, you know, I don't know. I couldn't give you another example, but you know, there's this all sorts of people that get all freaked out. This is something I feel very strong about, okay? As a truck driver, if I'm filling my tank full of diesel at your fuel stop, whether I'm a company driver or owner-operator, it matters not. I'm putting money into your store. If you can't give me a, least, a measly effing coffee or a free a cup of ice, then F yeah, <laughs> like simple. Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, I, I really felt, I feel strongly about that. Okay. And a lot of people go, Oh, that's not right. You know, no, it's ice, man. It's ice. Okay. Like seriously. All right. You know, half of the stuff they write off at the end of the night because it's the coffee goes bad or, you know, the ice machine gets clean. So you don't tell me for one minute that I'm going to pay a 99 cents for ice. Because it ain't gonna happen, okay? That's all there is to it. So I feel very strongly about that. Um, as far as good pylon shoutouts go, 
Uh, I don't really have anybody that's done anything really great for me this week, <laughs> unfortunately. So um, maybe next week. And uh, next week, we will have a new crew. We'll have Electric Aaron back. We will have Motorhead Mark back. We will have GM Blacktop. And we'll be playing GM Blacktop songs, I might add. So, yes, uh, GM will, will take some of your songs from your album next week, next week buddy. Yeah. And um, we are also going to have Birdman Bruce, J-Man the Snarl, although he is, uh, like I said, he's not here tonight. And, of course, Power Pav. So we'll have a good crew, and uh, we look forward to more new topics. And if you guys have any topics, that, if you're listening to this, this podcast right now and you're saying, why don't they do that? Please send it in to us at the road crew 2022 at gmail.com and we will do that podcast topic for you. It's not a question of we will consider it, we will do it. As long as it's not religion, politics, or porn, we're all good. So, anyway, that's the end of number 47. We're looking forward to 48, and we are out. Have a great week.
series.